0: When many of us think of ancient civilizations, our minds may venture to ancient Egypt, Mesopotamia, or India. But it turns out that there was a center of trade right in the middle of the desert, just south of Dubai, that connects with each of these ancient civilizations, from North Africa all the way to Southeast Asia. Today it's called Saruq al-Hadid, and it's believed to have existed as far back as the Iron Age 4,000 years ago. And while there are still many unknowns, archaeologists believe that Saruq al-Hadid was a thriving oasis. It was a foundry where people produced ornaments and weapons. It also had pottery and wooden objects and jewellery, all of which were traded throughout the world. And since its discovery in 2002, archaeologists from all over the world have described it as an enigmatic site.
1: I think that most people's experience of Saruk al-Hadid doesn't start out at the site. It starts in this modern big metropolis of Dubai surrounded by incredible skyscrapers at the cutting edge of modern architecture. And then you get in a four-wheel drive and you drive and you drive some more and you drive some more and you leave all of the, the modern glitz and glamour behind and you head further and further into the dunes and out into the desert and into the quiet and you start to think my goodness, we really are a long way from anywhere out here in, the, in this edge of the Khali Desert, the empty quarter. And you start to think, why on earth were people travelling out here this great distance into the desert 3,000 and more years ago? What were they doing out here? What made them choose this place?
0: This is professor and archaeologist Lloyd Weeks from the University of New England in Australia. He led the Saruq al Hadid Research Project, also known as SHARP, a project founded in 2014.
1: But on that first walk across the site, I looked down and to my right was a very large bronze axe head just sitting on the surface of the site. And so from that very first day, I got an experience of the incredible material richness of Saruq al-Hadid. Normally, when you're excavating at an archaeological site, you find little bits and pieces of rubbish here and there and you might work at a site for several years before really major discoveries come out of the ground. But... As Suruq al-Hadid, it just happens on a daily basis. And it started for me from that first day of visiting the site, finding an incredible axe head.
0: And amongst the many artefacts, including those that were made of gold, a tiny
1: golden ring stood out. Uh, and the little gold ring that we're talking about uh, is probably only one, one and a half centimetres in diameter. And it has this incredible pattern of tiny granules Uh, Or blobs of gold that are put together in these concentric circles. And uh, of course, the reason that the specific golden ring was chosen is that it has 20 20 globules uh, of gold on the inner circle and 20 on the outer. So that mapped very nicely onto Dubai 2020 for the Expo.
0: This tiny golden ring, now a symbol of Emirati heritage and pride, inspired Expo 2020's logo and even Al Wasal Plaza, the centerpiece of the site. In this episode, we'll tell the story of the communities that lived in Saruq al Hadid and how they helped create a ring that came to represent Expo 2020. I'm Noon Saleh and this is Inside Expo, an official podcast of Expo 2020 Dubai, where history is being made. In 2002, Saruq al Hadid was discovered from a place you'd least expect, a helicopter.
2: You know, the story is His Highness, the Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid, was flying in a helicopter over the desert, and mashallah, he he knows the desert inside out, and he noticed the winds and how the different sand across the different sand dunes was moving, and he spotted one area where it was moving differently, and he saw some black coloration that he knew from his helicopter that there was something there. And he spoke to the Dubai municipality team who went out and excavated and, you know, with time that was discovered. That's Manal Al-Bayat, Expo
0: 2020's chief engagement officer. And that discovery she described led to a long excavation process that continues till this day. Thousands of artifacts have been found, Several archaeology research teams from all over the world joined forces to share knowledge and collaborate on Saruq al Hadid research. In 2015, Expo 2020 Dubai launched a competition calling for a design for the event's logo. And just as that was taking place, archaeologists were excavating at the Saruq al Hadid site.
2: Around the same time, end of 2015, beginning of 2016, during that excavation season, suddenly there was a massive discovery and they found thousands of artifacts. And amongst the artifacts that they discovered was this beautiful, intricate, small ring. And when I say say ring, I'm not talking about a ring that you wear on your finger. I'm talking about a ring that is part of a group of rings that form a beautiful necklace. And at that point in time, it was, it was fate because we put out a call to the community and our ancestors decided to respond and we got a gift from history that we couldn't ignore. And that ring that symbolized unity, that symbolized amazing craftsmanship and innovation and skillsmanship that ring that showed that the collective can be greater than the individual in terms of coming together was something that we, we just absolutely couldn't ignore. And based on that, it inspired our Expo logo, which also inspired the beating heart of the Expo site, El Wassal Plaza. And it inspired so many other things across our journey, uh, on-site and off-site.
0: A center of innovation, gatherings and exchange of knowledge, Saruq al-Hadid in many ways symbolizes what Expo 2020 is all about, bringing people from all over the world to share knowledge and ideas. It's also a symbol for Dubai today, a center of trade connecting Asia, the Middle East and Africa. And while we don't have a name yet for the communities that live there, Archaeologists believe that it was a site where several civilizations lived across centuries, starting as far back as prehistoric times.
1: What we know about the people who who lived and occupied the site uh, varies from time to time. Uh, And the one thing that we've learned from intensive fieldwork at Saruk al-Hadid is that it's not just the site of rumour that it first seemed, this incredible Iron Age smelting site out in the desert. In fact, Saruk al-Hadid was used by humans, occupied by people over thousands of years, stretching back as far as the Neolithic period, when uh, herders uh, may have traveled out from the coast into the desert uh, during periods of higher rainfall, when there would have been resources to water their, their flocks of animals as well as opportunities to hunt wild animals. And that this occupation of the site continued from the Neolithic period through into the Bronze Age, when people were also engaged in periodic visits to the site for the purposes of herding and especially hunting. Uh, And then the site changes again in the Iron Age, when we start to see those uh, hunting activities replaced by uh, activities related to craft work, like metal production but also very intensive cultic activities and the deposition of artefacts in what looked to us to be clearly ritual contexts. And then the site changed again after the Iron Age. It looks as though it was used even as late as the early Islamic period, when people revisited the site and began smelting metal there again, and perhaps began scavenging through some of the earlier metal remains to see if they could be recycled and reprocessed. So Surug al-Hadid is a site that changes dramatically through time.
0: According to Professor Lloyd, what makes Saaruk al Hadid unique and difficult to excavate or analyze is that its inhabitants did not leave any forms of documentation behind. This makes it very challenging for archaeologists, unlike other ancient civilizations such as Egypt, where there is ample documentation. Here is Dr. Mansour Bouraik, the principal archaeologist at the Dubai municipality that first took on the project in 2014.
3: You don't have any texts. You don't have any inscriptions to tell you the history of the, of the area here or the sites here. You are, you are depending on the comparison study. We call it in archaeology a comparison study. You are comparing what we found with the other uh, cultures or other civilizations to know exactly the, the chronology and the date of these artifacts.
0: But how did these people manage to smelt and cast iron in the middle of a desert? Where did they get their tools and elements like charcoal from? And how did they do so, so far away from mining sources like the nearby Hajar Mountains?
1: There were beautiful artifacts of bronze, big axes and swords, uh, bangles, vessels, other kinds of materials, which were really surprising to find uh, on a metallurgical site. Uh, So in our minds, if we think of it being an important metal production site, well, where would you produce metals, you produce them in the mountains close to the ore sources where you have good access to wood for fuel for metalworking operations. You wouldn't do it out in the desert where both of those resources are very scarce.
0: But Saruq al Hadid was also a metal casting site. Dr. buraik vividly remembers a day in 2017 when he got to sea for himself and found a large piece of gold under the dunes.
3: I was in the early morning with the workers Uh, suddenly we were brushing the sand and it came from the sand you know, this uh, glimpse of the gold the bright of the gold can you imagine? and I said, oh gold, but a big piece it's a big piece and you know, always the gold at Sarug al said came in small tiny pieces not big pieces like this and I found uh, a model of a crown from solid gold And it came from the sand. It was, for me, it was a great moment for me.
1: Why would all of these incredible artefacts be left behind at the site? Was the site somehow abandoned at some point in the past? Were there reasons why people left this material? Did it have some other kind of explanation? Was it deliberately left in the ground?
0: And while there are many unanswered questions... Dr. Borayk says there is evidence that the people of Saruq al-Hadid were highly organized because of the way that the
3: land was divided. He believes they split their roles into various teams. We found that they divided the site to different areas in ancient times. This people was not working haphazard, was not working individually. There was a strong administration running this work. Just 400 meters away from the main site, Dr. Boraik and his team
0: discovered an area where people chopped trees to create charcoal. This helped them smelt iron and copper. Others would also extract other raw materials, like copper from the Hajar Mountains nearby, and smelt them in furnaces on site.
3: Then after that, they they gave these pure ingots to the craftsmen to mold and to do their artifacts from them. All of these roles
0: required having entire metallurgy, mining, and smelting sites. So managing all of that required them to be highly organized. It also required making sure everyone was well-fed. That meant teams doing everything from farming to raising livestock to cooking.
3: We found, you know, a lot of animal bones. Or our archaeologists who studied these bones, they found remains of butchery marks in some of the bones. It means that they were... Uh, uh, you know, eating in the site. We found uh, wild uh, animals like deer, like uh, oryx. We found also goat, sheep. We found uh, for the first time, and it was another big mystery for us, we found remains of cows. Can you imagine? Cows need a special
0: environment. They also had teams of protectors to keep everyone safe from outside invaders. And finally... There were the traders who then exchanged goods with other civilizations. While we can't say for sure, Professor Lloyd Weeks says there's also evidence that Saruq al-Hadid was a seasonal site. People gathered there regularly for many different reasons, but they would leave periodically and then come back.
1: When, when me and my uh, teammates tend to talk about Saruq al-Hadid, we call, we call it a persistent place. And this means it's just a place that people came back to again and again and again and again.
0: One reason that they went there seasonally was for social rituals, picture festivals.
1: So we think that this seasonal gathering had a a kind of a role in the social cohesion of this part of Arabia uh, during that period of time around about 3,000 years ago. So people were gathering to do what communities do when they get together, to Uh, make ritual observances, to guarantee the future prosperity of society by engaging in those ritual activities, to exchange goods, uh, to build social alliances, to find someone to marry your sons or daughters off to, all of these kind of things which happen when communities gather together.
0: Some of these communities from the Iron Age were fascinated with an animal that you could never imagine.
1: Sirukul Hadid is one of a growing number of sites that we have in southeastern Arabia in the Iron Age, which tell us about the importance of what we call a snake cult. Yep, you heard that right, a snake cult. And we have snakes depicted in metal. There are something like 600 metal snake figurines from the site in bronze, even a few in gold. We have beautiful, large, elaborate ceramic vessels which have incredible depictions of snakes on them. We know from other areas of the Middle East, uh, like Mesopotamia, uh, that snakes were a prominent part of mythological beliefs and and cycles, whether they stood for renewal or healing or uh, protection from evil or fresh waters, a whole bunch of associations. Um, So it's clear that the religious activities were focused on uh, some kind of worship or reflection on the significance of the snake. So
0: Saruq al-Hadid was a place of gathering, exchanging ideas, of meeting communities from all over the region. The spirit of gathering and exchanging ideas in a seasonal place can be seen today at Expo 2020, a place that embodies the motto of connecting minds, just as these communities from 3,000 years ago also connected minds with other civilizations.
1: Uh, We know that in uh, pre-Islamic Arabia, uh, that uh, there was a schedule of fairs and marketplaces that took place in different parts of the peninsula at different times. These brought people from all across Arabia to trade and exchange materials, uh, and at the same time to exchange ideas and transfer their cultural knowledge.
0: And in many ways, it was a hub for innovation too, which we can also see in Dubai today.
2: A lot of people when they think of Dubai and the UAE and they recognize that we're a young nation, we're 50 years old, they think that our culture is also young. Um, But the significance of Sarooq al Hadid is it showed us that our past is actually reflective of our present and hopefully an inspiration to our future. The tools that they had were minimal. They don't have the machinery that we have today. They don't have the tools that we have today. But the intricacy and the details that we saw in those artifacts is incredible.
0: And that spirit of innovation turned into physical exchange as Saruq al hadid was also a center of trade.
2: Then you have the trading stamps that were fi- found in Sarooq al hadid that showed that people of this community were traders and they were a hub for trade. And uh, they were trading with many civilizations across the world.
0: We're not fully sure how Sarooq al hadid linked with the wider world, but archeologists believe trade was central to life at the site. Many of the excavated objects have designs that seem influenced by other cultures and civilizations, Including the Indus Valley, ancient Egypt, and Mesopotamia. And what was clear is that they were able to flourish with all kinds of precious metals and materials. And that's part of the reason why the Golden Ring was chosen to be the theme and logo for Expo 2020. It represents the historical roots of Dubai over thousands of years as a meeting place of civilizations both in the past and the present.
1: I think the ring is a great artefact on a number of levels. Firstly, because it's made of gold, I mean, I think this is a cross-cultural understanding of something that's significant and valuable and precious, right? Um, No matter where you come from in the world, I think there's an understanding that this small, beautiful gold ring was precious. It was precious to someone who owned it in the past. And we can all uh, get into the headspace of understanding why that might have been the case. And I think another reason that the gold ring is important is because, like much of the rest of the site, there are more questions than answers about it. We don't know exactly what it was used for. We don't know exactly where it was made or where it came from. And we don't know exactly its significance to the person who deposited it at the site in the past. And so all of these uncertainties, all of these questions, uh, help us to start to think about what society may have been like During this period 3,000 years ago in the early Iron Age, they draw us into thinking about the UAE's past and the UAE's cultural heritage.
2: And it is so reflective of who Dubai is. Dubai hosts the world, Dubai is a hub for the world. If we think of what Dubai has achieved over the past 50 years in terms of amazing infrastructure, you've got the best road system, you've got the busiest airports, you've got the most connected airline, you've got one of the busiest ports in the world. And Sarooq al Hadid just shows us that 3,000, 4,000 years ago, people of this land were traders and innovators. People of Dubai today are innovators and traders. And the Expo 2020 in Dubai brought the world together to look at innovation.
0: And just like EXPO 2020 is about connecting minds, it's also about creating the future and learning from the past.
2: As human beings, we go through different phases, Um, from a young child who is extremely dependent on their parents, to a teenager who is rebelling and is trying to discover and learn and understand, to a young adult that believes they know everything They live in advanced times versus their parents' older days to being an adult and realizing we don't know anything and our parents really knew everything and we should listen to them. And we start actually going back to our parents and asking for advice and bouncing ideas through them and, and really cherishing their wisdom. And if we look at the opening ceremony as... An example of Sarooq al hadid and its connection to Expo 2020, that little girl wasn't sure which direction to go. Should she follow the past or should she charter a new path? And what her grandfather had taught her and told her was, listen to your heart, but don't forget where you came from. Push for greater boundaries, but keep your feet rooted and remember who you are and what you stand for and never forget it. And that's the biggest lesson that we learned from Saaruk al hadid
0: Inside Expo takes you behind the scenes at Expo 2020 Dubai, sharing our stories and others across the 170-year history of this global event. Learn more by visiting virtualexpodubai.com. Inside Expo is produced by Kerning Cultures Network. We release episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Subscribe to Inside Expo on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. If you enjoyed the show, share it with your friends and leave us a review.